Welcome back to episode 28 of Coffee and Christ. Is it 28? I don't know. Are we right? I don't know. Could be 28. Could be not. I, I still know. need to get that white, that little pocket whiteboard and put the number don't on it. Share our ideas like that. <laughs> I already have it in the works. <laughs> but the patent episode, pending. It's for real now. Then. But we're gonna call it the Jadax board. Jadax board. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I, I it's a mixture of Dylan and Jackson, but it just came out of Jadax. Jadax. It's actually just Jax with a D in it, but you're you're slightly in there, just a yeah. little. You should give yourself more credit. We'll do like a... You know what? Regardless, patent is pending. <laughs> yeah, that's so all that matters. Anybody who had an idea for a baby whiteboard that's pocket size... Too late. Get out. Too late. Eraser, got it. Marker, done. Don't even try. <laughs> jump on the JDAX train. JDAX train. <laughs> so it's already in the works. Perfect. I have another idea for a million dollar invention today. Oh, what is it? But now I can't think of it. I mean, I, it's like I we're shark actively thought about, thought about it in my mind today. I thought, that's a good idea, but I can't remember what it is. You gotta write this down. I know. Write that down. I'll, it'll come to me. But anyway, what's been going on in your week? Why don't you fill us in a little bit on the week of Jackson? I have to think, actually. Oh. What did I do? Oh, 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 oh. I dog sat for Megan and Steven. They were away in Arkansas visiting Steven's family. And so that just meant and they're they're have a little bit of a rough situation right now. Their their whole neighborhood just hates their dogs for some reason. Uh-huh. They've called the, the police on their dogs twice for a noise complaint. While you were there? No, not while I was there, but that's why it was kinda interesting. I had to be there more often than what I usually am. But I think Sunday night Sunday night they got it called and I think Monday night too about a noise complaint, but they've got to sit straightened out with the police. They think that the their neighbors are heckling them just a little bit. So, um, the, so I mean, I'm sure the police love to run dog complaints. I know, and like there's two policemen that live in their in their neighborhood. Like when I would come home, like there'd be a policeman in that driveway and a policeman in that one driveway, and I'm like, That's surely they would report on it or they would take care of it if there was a noise complaint. That is stupid. But uh, I just feel I just feel bad those poor dogs. They can do they're nothing. Fine. Yeah, they're just protecting their Boomer area. And who's what's the other one? No, Chevy. It's, it, what? <laughs> Waylon. <laughs> <laughs> That's what came to my mind was Boomer and Chevy. I don't know why. It was Waylon and Willie. I, I was close. No, you weren't. <laughs> I knew Waylon. I thought. Yeah, you matter. know the CPR. <laughs> oh, and he would wake you up. That dog. Me and him, I thought was going to throw down the night <laughs> whenever he was over at your house. We had to come to Jesus. That's all right. He, I mean, I got eye level with him, and I said, listen, Wait. this is what we're going to do. You're going to listen to me. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Yeah. And then Saturday night, the fire alarm went off at 4.30 in the morning. That was a rude awakening. I thought I thought it was going down. Like, I thought, I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to make this phone call to Megan that their house is burning down. It's, off. it's okay, though. It was just... You know, the heat kicking on, burning some dust off, and it was fine. Everything was fine. But it was a good week besides that. Did you tell them about that? I did. I texted Megan and said, how often does your fire alarm go off? And they were like, oh, never. And I was like, how long have you had your heat on? They were like, for a while. And I was like, just the luck of the draw then, I guess, for me. Mine went off last night, too. It's okay. Really? I see. I've never heard of that until it happened to me. Yeah, it happens sometimes. The more you so, know, the more you know. When mine went off, like, I was peeing. I, mean, That's I was scary. up to pee. And it was just like... Beep. And I was like, whoa. whoa! Yeah, that's scary. But my heat was on, so I was like... Ah. So I took a dish towel and was just like... Oh, calm down. <laughs> it's okay. 
How do you get? How do you? What's your method to get them off? I opened all the doors and turned on all the fans and oh, I let them no, out. No, 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 no. You just go get a dish towel. Well, see, I didn't go know up it to it from. and just. I only have one, so well, I'm supposed to have two, but only have one that works. Yeah, that one's just missing. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. Yeah, they have like I don't even know how many they have, but I just to and also one I didn't know what was happening. It was also four thirty in the morning. Yeah, so. I thought like some I literally thought their house was on fire, so I opened every door and like checked everywhere just to make sure that you know nothing was burning. I don't light candles when I'm at other people's mm-hmm. houses. That's just, you know don't do that. And so I was like, there's no way, unless like a charger blew up mm-hmm. or something like that, which has happened. That's how mm-hmm. my math teacher's house got burned down. Mm-hmm. So. I had to cover my bases, so I just opened all the doors, turned on all the fans. I let them outside because they were going crazy because mm-hmm. they didn't know what was happening. It's fine, though. What else happened? That's it. It's just been that and work. Start a new class. Art appreciation. Oh. Yay. I took that. Made a we'll C. See. We'll see. It's all online, so I'm sure I'm sure it'll be fine. But uh, what about you? Um... Nothing really. I mean, it's kind of been a quiet week. Well, good. Kind of. I made some pasta last night. Mm-hmm. It was good. I had some. I, I mean, that's that's it. I mean, really, I've not done anything this week. <laughs> so. Well, that's good at least. It's just a quiet. Got on the roof of a jail today and saw some prisoners. It's on a basketball court. Really? Some work. Really? Also, and I'll say this online because I don't think either of them are going to listen to this. <laughs> Speaking of basketball... Let's bring some vision drama up in here. Let's give them some context. Vision. Vision basketball is the local church league, basketball league. Big deal. Yeah, we throw it down there. Well, me and Jackson are coaching this year. Right? Mm-hmm. Are you still going to coach with me? TBH. Why? I don't know. That was that was wrong. It was TBH. To be honest. To be honest. You already said yes once. I will. I'm just you kidding. You don't want you. to. I'm, no, I I'm will. Not. You don't want to. I will. Well, regardless, whoever my assistant coach is going to be, Ty Street is not going to play for me this year. Why? Is he's he playing, playing for, for Randy? Randy? Oh my gosh. Because Just because he's your boss doesn't Randy's mean he plays. his boss. And Randy, I think Randy paid him money to play on his team. I'll, get you, I'll give you an extra dollar an hour if you just so, Randy. Randy would do that. So I don't have, I'm not going to have Ty this year. Randy. But I have Nolan. I have Colby. We're going to be fine. Randy so, would do that. Yeah. So yeah, I was talking to him. I saw him Sunday. I was like, you ready for Vision Basketball? And he goes, you know, bro, actually, I got to tell you something. And I was like, what? And he goes, I got to play for Randy, man. He's my boss. And I was like, what? You're going to play for Randy? Randy owns Ran- Risher Roofing. Great company. Yeah. Randy's just a narc. Yeah. I love Randy. I, <laughs> I hope he Talk to him on the phone today. You, love you Randy. S- you send him this one. But I'm upset. Personally, you I'm send upset. him. I'm upset. So, because yeah. oh, Ty's a good little ball player. Oh, God. So... I mean, he got tired of us beating him three times in a row last year. Yeah. I mean, he had to do something. He even bought expensive body armor for his team. I know, and lost. bought it for the refs, too. And I was a ref most of the time for still his Still lost. I know. But anyway, it's just a thing, just upsetting, truthfully. But you know what? I'll get over it. You need I'm to already over it, honestly. But you need to send him this podcast. I might. Send him the link. Be like, listen here. Listen to this, Randy from Risher Roofing. Yeah. Richer you may be good at putting on roofs, but we're going to stomp you <laughs> again, even with Ty. Without so be prepared Ty. for a beating. Yeah. Because you're going to get it. You've been warned. This is a warning? <laughs> You've been warned. It's documented as a warning. The next time that I have to address this, 
It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> so just be prepared. Action will be taken next time. Randy Richard, you're going down, buddy. <laughs> this is all in good fun. I love Randy. Randy's awesome. But anyway. Matthew. Chapter 18. Yes. Did you have anything? No. Nope. Okay. Matthew chapter 18. So we're coming off of Jesus explaining to the disciples again about his death. And that just keeps going over and over again because they don't get the big picture. And so what they did and what we talked about last episode was Jesus teaching them about the necessary things to appreciate his death almost. And the first one was using it in the form of tax, showing that he's Jesus, but he's also God. and He's also a man. And so he's reincarnated. He's he's man and god it's it's hard to wrap your head around sometimes but that's what he had to explain to them and he did that through tax saying that why would god tax himself because the temple tax was a tax for the temple and then so this one is on kind of like the latter half of that teaching on god's self-sacrificial love also known as agape love and then like matthew how great he is he kind of just drops us into this situation and so we have to look into Mark's account to find out a little more of the backstory. But uh, first, do you want to read? You want me to read? You can, I read first last week, so that's all you. Okay. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name uh, receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drowned into the depths of the sea. And then so, obviously Jesus is teaching here in a metaphor. He's using the child as, a, as an example. But the disciples, we find out in Mark, are having this very worldly conversation coming at the heels of Jesus telling them that, hey, look, I'm going to die. All right. And so we all know they're using very worldly terms, first and last, and we know what it's like to be first in this world. We're taught at a very young age. I have a, just a little, little story. I have a participation trophy from middle school basketball that is used as a March Madness trophy now because that gives me more value than a little precip- precipitation <laughs> participation, participation there, you go. there you go so and so we're always we're taught that we want to be first you know most recognition obtaining the most possessions the uh, who wields the most power uh, whether that be in in work or or you know first to be picked for your kickball team or you know you can just or vision basketball I mean, church just, league softball <laughs> church league softball as well uh first with the new phone the new shoes see the the new movie or it's all pride and ego me 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 and then that's also how the world assigns value and kind of bestows honor that and then solomon says in ecclesiastes that all of this is vanity and so jesus has to take this they're speaking right here, very worldly terms, and redirect their minds into more of a heavenly, heavenly outlook. And how, if you're wanting to be last, you gotta live by a different standard. And so, being last here means that you're willing to set aside your pursuit of of happiness sometimes, but be first in according of the world's way of thinking. It means giving up your place in line for someone who needs it, or 
or and Jesus is not saying don't live like a self-depriving life. Don't like right now go sell all of your possessions to the needy. But he is calling us to pursue others over ourselves. And over this pursuit, we're kind of we're showing, we're cultivating his love. And that's a I I always think actions, you know, are the best way to show God's love. I mean, if you really just small things with minute details, they're just like holding a door open, you know, being being nice and gentle to somebody. And I and especially in today's age where no one really cares about that stuff. And people notice. People notice when you are different or stand out from the crowd. And so in making his point, Jesus calls over a child and says, unless you are converted and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's just saying here that children in that day, supposed to be now, if raised properly, were almost like servants. They had no authority. They had no say. They were there for correction. They didn't have a decision, but they were there for correction and humility, serving your parents as much as that. That isn't the case of nowadays sadly but then jesus kind of tells his disciples that when we see this children when we how do we receive him he does this in verse four and five it says that we serve him in ways of humility and jesus says when somebody humbles themselves to serve us we're receiving him himself in that moment if you want you can picture jesus holding the door open for you you would probably feel embarrassed like you're like oh that's jesus you i should be holding the door for you that's kind of like what he's saying here that we should you know, recognize that person as like a, a great humility, like the that they're humbling themselves to do an act for you. And we've seen this, you know, multiple times that God's ways are different than, you know, the world's ways. Servants are often looked down upon and and you can even see Jesus. Jesus became a servant. He died on the cross and he went voluntarily. He took the place of everyone else and died voluntarily. And Jesus tells his disciples to adopt this humility to and to honor others to do well and and what i mean what do you think the disciples said about that they try to change the subject but i mean and what, what you run into the, the obstacle that we run into now in this modern christian world you know we run into the problem of you know that's not my job you know it's not my job to help the needy it's not my job to help miss mildred cross the street it's not my job to whatever Okay, but if we're going to be Christ-like, sorry, I'm fighting up anyway. So if we're going to be Christ-like, okay, we're, we've we're just finished a um, a series in our college class called Jesus Isms, okay, which is common characteristics of Christ that we need to to mimic, you know. And one of those things that he practiced was servantship, mm-hmm. you know. And and think about the things that Christ did. For other people. Okay. Like talking about going out of your way. And serving somebody. Not just. I mean it was. Sometimes it was little stuff. Sometimes it was. That's what what I was fighting back. And it just (laughs) overpowered me. Um, But I mean think about the stuff that Christ did. And the way that he served other people. and, And sometimes it wasn't. Actually most of the time it wasn't convenient. Yeah. But that's what we're called to do. But so many people eat Christians. So many Christians are like, you know, that's just not my job. It's not my job to serve other people. They can serve themselves. You know, and that's that's not the right mentality. If we're going to be Christ-like, then we need to adopt the humility and the servantship that Christ had. You know, think about just like what Jackson was just talking about, like a little child. 
I mean, and again, this is the way it's supposed to be. Unfortunately, like he <laughs> said, like it's just anymore. it's not that way anymore. But even whenever I was raised that way, I mean, I'm 22. I was born in '99. I was raised that way. Yeah. In a sense of, you know, my dad or my mom do what we say. If we say it, you can do it. If we don't, if we tell you not to do it, then you don't do it. Because mm-hmm. my mother had a ping pong paddle or a paddle ball paddle she used to beat me with. <laughs> That's the daggone truth right there. But, but I mean, it was things that they said you just didn't do. And that's what we Christ is saying here. You know, adopt these practices of children and be servants. What I say, do it. Well, what does he say? He says to be a servant. Okay? And so do that. Be that person that goes out of your way to serve somebody else. Okay? Make it as simple as holding a door open. But but be that type of person that somebody can call and they know that they're right there. Mm-hmm. Or they know that, hey, if I call Dylan, even if it's in the middle of the night, I know that he's, he's going to help me do whatever I need to do. Or if I need help get out of a situation or, or if I need whatever, then whatever I can do to help that person and advance the gospel, that's what I'm going to do. And that, that's what Christ expects of us. That's what Christ expects of Christians is to, to go as, as far as he did. Right. Okay, now we can't. Go yeah. as far as he did. Right. Because we don't need to take our own life. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he's saying, do what I did. Okay. Pay attention to everybody. Pay attention and show everybody how much you love them. You know? So then, um, starting in verse 7, let me read that next part. You go ahead. Yeah. Starting in verse 7, it says, Woe to the world for temptation to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom temptation comes. And if your hand... Um, or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with the two eyes to be thrown into into the hell of fire. It's me. It just happens. You've, you've been really good recently. Like it hasn't... You haven't yawned a lot? I know. It's just all of a sudden is sleepy. Sleepy today. I want to say something. Go ahead. You can, you can run with it. You're crazy. You know, there is so many passages in the Bible that we just don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. Matthew 18, 7 through 9. Right. Because nobody wants to hear that. He's saying, okay. and again, teaching in metaphors, please don't take the knife and cut your foot off. Okay? Yes, Jesus is not. But he's saying, you know, if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. If your foot caused you to sin, get rid of it. If your eyes, get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to hear that because he's saying it's better, and I'll quote the end of verse 9, it's better to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Y'all, hell is real. Hell is actively talked about in the Bible. And Jesus, yes, and Christ and God, you know, the Godhead, they're loving. But there's still passages like this that we don't want to hear. Yeah. And that we we don't turn to them very often because we don't want to read that. If you don't read it, it's still there. I mean, it's not like it's not there. I pretend not to see speed limit signs all the time. They're still there. <laughs> They're still right there. They are still there. So, but anyway, go ahead. Well, uh, to kind of give us a little more context, because Matthew just drops us in here again, we have to go to Luke. And Luke chapter 9, verses 47 through 50. I'm going to read it real quick, just three verses. Um, and it's the same argument. It's the same who's the greatest conversations going on. And... 
starting verse 47. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me for he is the least among you all is who is all greater. John answered, change it. This is the disciples kind of ignoring what Jesus just said because like you said, no one wants to hear this part. So the disciples, not Peter this time though, it's kind of like, it's John, is, how do I put this, just negating it, trying to change the subject. And so this is how he does it. John answers, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us, us being the twelve. But Jesus said to him, do not stop him for one who is not against you is for you. And so now that you kind of have a little, this, those two run hand in hand. And so I want to take us back to verse six now. Uh, I read it again. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believed in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drowned into the depths of the sea. Now, again, Jesus is not advocating for suicide. He's not telling you that. He's not saying that's okay. But he's still, he, this is just called hyperbole. He's, he's trying to tell you how serious this is. And so when Jesus, after he rebuked the 12 about talking about who's the greatest, and John moves the subject and comparing the inner 12 to the outside of them, because we also see in chapter 9 that by this time in Jesus' ministry, there's not just the 12. There is many other disciples out there that are, you know, that in chapter 9 as well, they were given the power to cast out demons. And so there's many other disciples, many other people out there that are still doing the Lord's work. And so that's why the the apostles here were concerned when they saw a quote-unquote regular disciple besides them that was casting out demons and doing the same miracles that Jesus is doing. Not all of them, but casting out demons is. And they thought that power was reserved for them. They And then John even says that they even they even stopped him. And so why would they do that? Is is They weren't concerned with what he was doing they were concerned with who he was doing it for and so we need to know this kind of like as a ministry general term that there's two teams in the entire world there's team jesus and there's team satan that's it if someone is doing the same thing that you would do in the church they're not team satan they're still team jesus you just shouldn't cast your judgment and try to stop them and so another person's ministry even success doesn't come out at your own expense and another church's growth is not a bad thing we go about it like like the disciples making those comparisons like you know who is who's the greatest it kind of invites jealousy and pride and and to a ministry jealousy and pride are huge stumbling blocks and that leads us right into what we're talking about here in seven through nine see jesus you know again like you said not talking about children here this is this is still keeping that same metaphor we are the children so with that in mind, causing a believer to stumble means leading a Christian away from obedience and service to Jesus to the towards sins and worldliness. And and Jesus even says in verse seven that you know temptations they're they're necessary they're inevitable like they're not I mean you can't avoid them. No one wants to be a stumbling block. But of course, I mean Jesus here is kind of not. I would say, I'm not going to say concerned, but he's more focused on the sinister part that came in Luke, where he's more concerned that we are deliberately being a stumbling block to somebody. Now, it's different if you are out at a bar drinking and cause someone else to stumble. I don't think that's deliberate. 
I think though, if somebody's doing something for Jesus and you want it, and you would rather take the, I don't know, the the shining light or like the or the fame for it, then you deliberately try to make them stumble. That's what Jesus is saying right here that we should really be worried about. And again, he's not advocating for for suicide or self mutilation of any kind, but he's just still saying this how important it is to not do it. That it. If, it, if your arm's causing you to do that, then you better cut your arm off because it would be, like you said, you quoted in verse 9, it's better to be thrown, it's better to have one eye than thrown into hell with two. Well, think about what the world has really diminished the, the weight of what sin is, you know, because they, they do it so much that it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And what we're reading here, the New Testament, which is our law, it's saying this is the biggest deal there is. Like if it's a big enough deal that Jesus is going to the extreme of saying, you know, it's better to just have one eye than to be in hell. Like, imagine cutting your own arm off. Right. Imagine that pain. He's saying it's better to refrain from temptation than because hell's going to be that bad. It's better to just disassociate yourself with it one hundred percent. You know, and that's what that's what Christians have to do. When we we just have to to pull ourselves out of situations to not be tempted. Because in verse seven, he's saying, you know, it's it's necessary for temptation to be here. We're going to be tempted. Christ didn't promise us a life of no temptation, okay? But he's saying, but woe to the one who shows you that temptation. Woe to Satan, mm-hmm. okay? Because and he he's also alluding a little bit. You know, God is all-powerful, but Satan is powerful, too. And he's kind of alluding to this, okay, yes, temptation is real, but woe to the devil. Well, mm-hmm. you know, be careful um, around the one who sends that temptation to you because he is powerful. Hell is real. Hell is a horrible place. And he's saying, just be careful. You know, that's, that's how I imagine Jesus. Yeah. You know, just, hey, just watch yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, be careful over there. You know, you make your own decisions, but I'm just saying... I know him. Satan's not a good guy. Be careful around him. And that's kind of what he's saying here. And he's saying, you know what? Get get yourself out of the situation. You know, if you're not in the situation, how are you going to be tempted? You won't be. Right. You know, if you're tempted by drinking and you know you don't need to be publicly intoxicated in all these things or intoxicated in general, yeah. then if you don't have that self-control, don't drink. Don't put yourself in that situation. You know, if you... Whatever. You guys get the point. You know, if women cause you to sin then don't be around them yeah i mean that's that's what he's saying that's how simple it is to woe to the devil okay if you know that you're tempted by something get away from it Mm -hmm. don't be there because if you're there satan's powerful and he may overpower you in order to get you to sin right so he's saying this is how important it is this is how big of a deal it is um for this sin right but here's what's cool and we lead into it in verse 10. Okay, what happens if I get caught in the temptation of sin? Okay, and I'll read the last part or what we're going to go through today. But it says, See that you do not despise uh, one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than moreover. Um, then the other, other 99 that never went astray. I had a really hard time with that. The other 99 that never went astray. Sorry. 
So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So we've talked about sin. We've talked about how horrible sin is and falling into temptation and all these things. But he says, but, and this is him teaching again through a parable talking about sheep. Mm -hmm. You know, because sheep farms now versus then were a little bit different. I mean, they had shepherds, if you're not familiar with it, that were there 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. You know, that was, they were a shepherd. That's all they were known for because that's all they had time to do. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, he's a shepherd. That's what he does every day. And so, if one sheep miss, is missing from the flock, then he would leave the 99 that never left and go and find the one who went straight. And that's the way Christ is to us. Right. And you kind of think of why he would do that. Why would he leave the 99 just for one? And I'm not no sheep herder. I don't do it I often. I ain't no sheep herder. I don't do it often. But, you know, why does... It doesn't seem probable of why does the shepherd take the risk of leaving the 99 for just the one. You know, if you think about it, and this is just from, you know, very common knowledge. If you are a sheep farmer, please prove me wrong. Sheep go astray all the time. They're just like fly, like squirrel like and they just run I used everywhere. to live next to a sheep farm and I've just go everywhere I've heard sheep twice in my life because I just go out on the front porch and you see me and you're like whoa yeah exactly you don't belong in my front yard <laughs> yeah so I doubt there's many days like you said where the shepherd is you know just chilling most of the time he's probably out looking for his lost sheep so you know if you're a shepherd if you're not willing to go get that one lost sheep then soon you probably aren't going to have a flock and so that's, and you can put this in in the church term. You know the you know the elders or the shepherds of the flock. If they didn't, if no, if they just stopped all of a sudden coming in contact with Dylan, and Dylan was just like, you know what, I'm going to go to another church, and they never ever pursue him or anything. What does that say to him? Mm-hmm. It leaves a bad rap. And so that's what the you know that's what the shepherds, the elders of the flock. That's one of their key responsibilities to make the ministry and then restore it, recover it, and return the sheep always. Well, that's how important it is. Like, yes, sin carries a lot of weight, but I mean, view that as Christ as our shepherd. Like, he's gonna take care of us. Mm-hmm. He's gonna you know, come and out. he's not gonna directly come to you in the voice and say, "Hey, stop what you're doing." But he has people like the elders of the congregation. He has people like your friends that can rein you back in and says, "Okay, come back this way. Come back this way." You know, I'm Sydney Brewington. Me and him, and on the street in Buffalo Valley Road one day. Just had a bucket of feed with three sheep, and he was just like, "Woo sheep, woo sheep, woo woo," and I, and I was like, "Go, you know, that's, that's <laughs> what we were doing." But it worked. Yeah, and I envision that as you know, when, when we're lost in sin, you know, we're important. Yeah. You know, just because you're caught in the sin does not mean that you're unusable. Mm-hmm. And so I envision like Christ, like, "Woo sheep, come on, let's go, <laughs> woo, go, woo. go sheep," you know, you know, or whatever. So. Yes, sin carries a lot of weight, but we have a Savior who's a whole lot heavier than that. We have a Savior who's willing to say, you know, yeah, I'm going to go over here and find this person because they mean that much to me. Whether they matter. The devil's got a hold of them, but I know that person. I know they can be better than that, and I'm going to go get it. And so that's how much our shepherd cares about us. That's right. So um, that's all we got this week. Yep, short episode. So... Have a great week. Absolutely. Don't speed. And um, I'm not going to promise that.
don't speed and eat good and enjoy the Tennessee-Alabama game. That's right. Because Alabama's going to lose. That's right. Have a great week. Love y'all.